You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. I am absolutely thrilled to be bringing you my first ever author chat. Stephanie Gray joins me to talk about her debut novel, Rules for Dating a Bookshop Owner. It is a very sweet rom-com that has a deeper underlining meaning behind it. So if you are a fan of Beth O'Leary's work, I highly recommend you have a listen to this episode. We have done our absolute best to make sure there are no spoilers and listen right to the very end to hear how you can get your own copy of Rules for Dating a Bookshop Owner. I hope that you enjoy this very special episode of the Bookstorian podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bookstorian podcast, Stephanie. Hi, how are you? I'm thrilled because you are my first ever author joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. You are very welcome and thank you for a copy of your book, Rules for Dating a Bookshop Owner. Of course, of course. I hope that you loved it. Yes, it was especially nice to um, sort of sink into a nice, cool, um, cold environment, especially while we're experiencing a hot, (laughs) humid summer already. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, it just clicked in my mind that you guys are on the opposite schedule then, right? Because so it's, I'm in North Carolina in, in the U.S. and it's starting to get very cold here. I mean, like we're hitting lows of like 29, 30 degrees and it's freezing and you're about to start summer, right? Yes. So it's like okay. 20s, 30s, but that we, yeah, we use degrees, whereas you use like Fahrenheit. Yes. yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So wait, you're using Celsius. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I always start my podcast with a icebreaker question. So I thought this would be a great one to ask not only an author, but also a bookseller. What is one book everyone should read in their lifetime? So this question is always so easy for me to answer because the first thing that pops into my mind is The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. I love that book so much. The writing is just so amazing. It's historical fiction. It's the reason why I love historical fiction. And I just, I love reading about World War II and that time period. And so if you, if anyone likes that, um, that time period and that, you know, that genre, I highly recommend The Nightingale. So many people have already read it, but if you haven't read it, that book is so good. I have to read it. I confess. You haven't read it? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> go and buy a copy today. It's I have one so- already on my shelf and I haven't oh, picked it up. <laughs> oh, that please make that be your next read you have to let me know what you think I think what happened is I purchased it but I also read a lot of historical fiction and I think I got a bit of like world war ii historical fiction fatigue yeah okay well the next time you are in the mood for historical fiction you have to read that book that book is so good excellent I will definitely have to do so and it is one that's constantly over bookstagram for the same reason people absolutely rave about it and it sounds very difficult to top it's so good it's so good so you are joining me today because you are an author but there's obviously a lot more to you than that so stephanie can you tell me a little bit about yourself yeah so um i own a bookshop um but i also work in mental health i've worked full-time in 
in the mental health field for let's see six six and a half years now and um, I'm a military wife my husband's retired military and so I always have that piece of my life it's always going to be with me no matter if he's you know still in the service or not um, he was um, deployed to Afghanistan three times and so that's a huge part of the book that I wrote, you know, um, I'm a mother. I have two sweet little boys. I have um, Wyatt, he's six and a half. And then I just had a baby last December. His name's Lincoln. Um, we're about to celebrate his first birthday. So it's kind of been a whirlwind of a year, um, you know, with everything going on and then deciding to write a book. You know, I've been busy. I, I have a book sleeve line that I own. Um, I just, you know, I just try to do all the things. <laughs> it's very, it's a very full life then. Yeah. I mean, most of the time I don't, it sounds super cliche, but even with everything that I have going on, um, I don't feel like I'm always working. I feel like I'm constantly doing things that I really enjoy and things that I really, really love. So I never really feel overworked per se. Um, my plate is full, but it's full of things that I just really enjoy doing. And so I never really feel like I'm working most of the time. That's a lovely way to be, yeah. especially in today's day and age. That's the goal. <laughs> so one of those things that is on your plate is owning a bookshop. Now, I, I do know you're probably going to cringe when I ask you this question, because there is a line in the book where Bishop asks our leading character Campbell about her ownership of a bookstore and why she owns yeah. a bookstore. And she kind of gets um, like a little bit of an eye roll moment of, Oh, here we go. People ask me this all the time. So yeah. I am sorry, but I genuinely do want to know <laughs> what made you want to open up a bookstore. So I I've had my bookshop online on Instagram. It's Porter company bookshop. Um, I've had it online for about six years, about, and I opened it about the time um, my son was about to turn, I think like six months old, a year. He was very, very young. And I really wanted to find something creative, per se, to do that was my own and that was um, an outlet to motherhood because I had, I had postpartum really bad and I really wanted to have an escape. And I started actually selling books out of my one bedroom apartment on Facebook marketplace. I mean, it started off very, very small and it's grown ever so slightly over the years. And it's, it's been so much work, but now it's this huge thing, you know, I mean, I've shipped to every state in, in the country. I've shipped overseas. I've shipped to so many different countries. I've met so many different people and it's become this beautiful thing. I mean, I can't imagine my life without it, you know, going forward, it's always going to be a part of me, but, um, you know, to, to start off as small as I did and to become what it is now, I'm so proud of it. And it's become more, obviously much more than I anticipated it to be. I mean, it's not just some hobby that I'm doing, every once in a while, you know, it's become this big thing. So I don't know. I love it. I've met so many amazing people through it. And now I have a book about it. 
Well, congratulations. It's, it's certainly a success and it's great that you are now able to also connect this um, and your story to writing or having uh, being able to write and articulate your story and your journey in some way, shape or form uh, through Campbell. So is writing a novel something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, actually, well, not always. I didn't grow up loving to read. I, I never um, grew up wanting to write. But as I got older, um, it actually started off as a joke when my husband was in the military, me and all of our military friends, like all of our wives, we would keep lists of all the things that our husbands would say that were either ridiculous, stupid, that made us laugh. And I had this ongoing list for 10 years. And eventually I thought that I was going to write a nonfiction novel about basically about all the dumb stuff that our husbands have said over the years. And, um, Right after my son was born, I really, uh, once again, as had happened with the bookshop and how that got started with my first son, I didn't want to get to a place where I lost myself again, like I had the first time go around when I had my first son. And so I was like, what am I going to do to keep sane? And so it kind of started off as a small project, um, writing the book. And then I don't know. I mean, a year later, now it's published, so. And why this story in particular? Like what finally made you, what finally inspired you to write about this story? So um, the past few years, um, as I had said, my husband, he, he's a military veteran. He was deployed to Afghanistan three times and he was in the infantry. So he went to war zones you know he he was deployed three separate times and early on in our marriage i really didn't know how to deal with what was going on and as i got older as more deployments happened as he got out of the military i started to really delve into what was happening in our lives because these people come home and they're completely different and i had to learn on my own how to deal with that and over the past few years we've had really high highs and we've had really low lows and I really wanted to take that and compile that into something that could potentially help other people who are going through the same thing and really it was a huge therapeutic session for me too because I was able to put pen to paper what I was going through and to be able to share that with other people I mean the messages that I've gotten about people who are going through the exact same thing right now and they're in the, the place that I was five years ago, I mean, we're in a great place now. We are the happiest we've ever been. My husband's in a great place. He's been able to get back to work again. For three years, he wasn't able to work. And so there's all of these stories that people are, are telling me about their husbands and what they're going through and how I can help them. And I, I hear about these things and I'm like, yes, that was me five years ago. It will get better. It can get better. Um, even just, I mean, beside the military portion of the novel, there's a lot of um, relationships that, that go back and forth in the novel. There's a, a very large portion of the book that is um, centered around a mother and daughter relationship. People are coming out and telling me about their stories that, they're able to relate to with the novel. That's, to me, when, when I wrote the novel, 
I compiled all of these things that I was like, okay, people are going through this too, you know, and to be able to share that with people, I think is such a gift. And to not only share it with people, but to also start the conversation with people as well, for people to reach out and to hear their stories as well. Um, And as someone who is involved in a mental health field, like that talking and that sharing of stories is so important. Yeah, I think there's a lot of shame behind so many of the things that are talked about in the novel. And I kind of, I wanted a place for people to be able to go and say, hey, I'm going through this too, to maybe even just sit down and realize that you're not the only one that's going through something. Um, that's, that's a huge theme of the book is that everyone's got their own thing. Um, you're not the first to go through it and you're not the last. So why not talk about it? Why not stir up these conversations? There's a lot of things that I kept inside, um, even from my childhood for years that I never talked about, things that I still haven't really truly discussed. Um, And I think a lot of times we hold back on so many things that we really shouldn't because there's someone else that's going through that too. So you have this idea that's inspired by your own life and certainly a drive to want to share it with others. But as someone who isn't necessarily a writer um, in the past, potentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but no, it's something very right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how do you actually start like your writing process? Is it a planning? Is it, do you handwrite? Yeah. Do you type? Like, yeah, talk me through it. Yeah. So, um, as, as I've said before, I have, this has been the busiest year of my life, especially with the shop it's exponentially grown. And so to even just find the time to write was, I had to do it very intentionally. I woke up earlier. I went to bed later. Every chance that I got to take a break at work, I was writing. So um, I, I truly did not plan out anything in the book. I sat down at the computer and I typed as I went. And so every moment that someone's reading in the novel, that was just basically by the seat of my pants. It just would pop in my mind and I'd write it down. And I think that's the beauty of it all because it all came together, I think, so perfectly. And I wouldn't change anything about it. And I, I do put a disclaimer in there that I think it's much easier to write about your own life, which is basically what the book is, um, you know, confounded on it's much easier to write about things that I already know have happened versus sitting down and actually putting together a story that is completely fabricated. There's a lot in the novel that is not fabricated at all. Um, A lot of the people have asked me about the research and the things that I, that I had to learn along the way. I really had to learn about what it was like to work in a coffee shop or what it was like to what type of building burns or doesn't burn like things like that as far as writing down step by step and outlining a novel i didn't do any of that and i think mostly that's because number one i self-published my novel and i was able to choose where it went without any sort of deadline i guess like i i really just did it as a hobby 
and it turned into a project that made me money, essentially. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't confounded to all of these boxes that I had to check mark. I, I mean, to, I tried to keep it as fun and as easygoing as possible. And I think that's why in the end, it just worked out. I didn't feel any sort of pressure to, to actually do any of the things. If I, even if I just didn't want to do it anymore, I could have just stopped, you know? Um, so it kind of just became a thing. I don't know. So I guess this is a nice time to sort of segue into the book discussion side of the podcast. So for those of my listeners who haven't yet heard about the book or read the book for themselves, what is Rules for Dating a Bookshop Owner about? Yeah, so it's basically about a girl, Campbell, she's in her 30s and she has a past of her own and she basically quits her day job and puts down a large sum of money to have a bookshop space for a year. So she moves to this town where she doesn't know anyone, no one knows her. And one night at closing, she meets this military veteran turned firefighter, the quote unquote hot town's hot firefighter. Um, and they kind of come together. She is trying to figure him out. He's trying to figure her out. They both have this past that they'd rather not talk about. But together, they make a good team. And it's basically just a book about um, following your dreams, not um, being confined to a box where you feel like you have to be. Um, there's a lot of themes about relationships, confliction, um, you know, and just friendship, good, good, keeping good relationships around you and not um, feeling like you have to keep bad ones near. I mean, it's, it's really just a lot of wisdom and things that I've gathered over the years I tried to put into the novel. And I don't know, I just, I think it's so beautiful. I don't know. There's just something about it. Even if it's just fiction, there's a lot of real life things that you can take from the book, I think. And so I don't know. I've, I love it. And sometimes it's the power of a, of a good book that you potentially allow it to wash over you and then you have that reflection on the at the end of reading it and you've you've actually picked out and gleaned some things and and I'm certainly going to talk about some of the things that I've learned or some of the things that I gained um, from reading the story but okay. uh, one thing that clearly stuck out to me as your author note is at the beginning of the book so and yeah. I think that sets a different vibe for the story because you go into it knowing that this is a story that's close to your heart and also close to your own personal story. So right. how much of the book would you say is based on your own life experiences? And did you make do you think it made it easier or harder to write? You've kind of already answered part yeah. of this question. So <laughs> it it was to me not hard to write at all. And of course that is because a lot of the book is based off of my life. I mean, there are certain scenes that I typed out that I remember that I pulled from memory. I mean, they're 100% that happened. Um, and it's funny because people will message me and be like, was this actually real or was this real? And I'm like, yeah, it was real or uh, it's like 95% real or yeah, no, that did not happen at all. Sorry. Um, so 
it to answer the question um it wasn't it wasn't hard to write at all except at the very end it was kind of a challenge a good challenge to try and weave it all together because of course i'm sitting here trying to tell a fictional story and of course there are some things in the book that are completely fabricated like i don't have a good friend anders who works in a coffee shop although i wish i did um and the way that the bookshop happened um you know me skipping town and going and spending my life savings on a bookshop that did not happen at all either that Actually, I get that question a lot too, as far as um, people wanting advice on starting their own bookshop or opening up a storefront. So my story is just completely different because I, um, I didn't start it as a traditional bookshop owner would. I started in my one bedroom apartment selling books and six years later, it's an online shop and I do have my bookshop in a storefront, but you know, it was, it's completely different. I think to when people ask me about opening up a bookshop, please don't go and spend your life savings on opening up a bookshop. That's a terrible idea. And you should not do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so also some good advice. <laughs> um, the, the place of Selters Ridge, and I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Yes. Excellent. So Selters Ridge sounds super lovely, uh, but I was dismayed to find it's not actually a real place. So do you have a real place that offered inspiration for Selters Ridge? So, um, this bookshop is is centered near a harbor in Maine, which I've actually never been to Maine. I think I've literally only seen pictures like a couple times. And so that's completely like fabricated as far as the shop and all of that. Um, but the, the descriptions of the coffee shops, that, that, was pulled from two coffee shops that I went and sat and wrote at for a year. Um, the descriptions I pulled from all of these different places and then the description of the bookshop. Um, a lot of that is based off of this idea that I have in my mind. If I one day had a, an actual storefront building that was just my own, that's how I would want it to look. And I have thought about that for years and eventually, I will have that. Um, I'm literally saving up my life. I'm, I'm putting away a fund basically to open up a bookshop. I don't want to have to take out a crazy loan to have, have that one day. Um, because I know, I know that it's, it's a whole different ball game going and having a storefront versus just doing it online. It's a, it's a thing. And I've slowly dipped my feet in it, having my bookshop in the storefront at the beach um but i don't know we'll see where it goes one other super lovable thing about the story is piper who is the <laughs> sweet dash hound owned by campbell and i think she definitely plays a starring role in the novel she what does. do you think it is about pets and book lovers that go so well in harmony so i think there are just special kinds of people in the world that love books and love pets and they just go hand in hand I think I Piper's actually um she's based off of she was inspired by a dog that I have now her name's Stella Bug I've had her for 
13 years, 14 years, and she's just still such a puppy at heart. I love her. She's She was with me before I got married, before I had kids, before life started. She's everything that I say about Piper in the novel, I literally took from having my own little dog. So um, I don't know. And I think, you know, when we sit down and we read a book and we cuddle up on the couch with a cozy blanket. If we have a pet, they're right there with us. They're always actually just sitting there reading with us. And I just love them. I mean, there's literally nothing better than the love, unconditional love that a pet can give you. And I just happen to have dogs. I know a ton of people have been like in your next book, if you don't write about a cat, I'm not going to read. Jokingly. That's one of the things that I would have to research about owning a cat. I have no idea what it is like to have a cat. I've never had a cat before, but I don't know. Just dogs are so good. I also think too, reading can be such a solitary pastime. So quite often, like whilst the conversations that you have either before or after reading books, you do have those with other people, but the actual act of reading is quite a, a quite a solitary one. I won't say lonely because I certainly don't tend to feel lonely when I pick up a book, um, but it is something that you quite often do on your own. Yeah, I, d- I would much obviously rather read alone than with my kids running around because I can't get anything. <laughs> I read like two, yesterday I tried to read, I read like 10 pages throughout the entire day. I tried to read all day long. I could get like 10 pages in, but um, I don't know. There's just something about the love that a, do- a dog or potentially a cat. I don't know. What it's like. <laughs> I know I've got a dog. <laughs> They're just, I mean, There's just nothing like them. There's not. So it's quite clear that the story is a romance story. Like you only just have to look at the cover and we, and we have a couple on there as well as adorable Piper. But what I took from this book and what I really liked about this book is that it's it also has a deeper meaning and message behind it. And in particular, in relation to return veterans. And as you've noted, uh, your husband is one. Um, and I dare say you're still, you still have those friendships and connections to other women who've, whose husbands are also um, either still serving or are veterans as well. So you, and you've already mentioned to me that writing this story has been quite therapeutic for you, but it also gave you that opportunity to share your perspective with others. And for me in particular, this is something I hadn't thought about before at all. This was a brand new perspective to me and I really opened my eyes and hopefully you don't mind me quoting your book to you. (laughs) It was this quote in particular, the men and women who serve want to be there. It's life changing for them and for the people they are saving. They are there making a difference. And I thought that that's a great opportunity for you to share your perspective with others. And through talking to you, that seemed to be exactly what you were hoping to achieve through writing this book. Yeah. I mean, especially this year um, and just the timing of the novel being released. I mean, uh, the novel was released a few weeks ago, October 26th. And just a couple of months ago, Um, our administration here in the United States pulled all of our troops out of Afghanistan. And that month was really hard for our family. Um, 
I try not to get emotional talking about it, but it's just so hard because, I mean, my husband, he, he, he had to medically retire out, and so he didn't really have a choice, and um, over the last few years, it's been really hard because he's really had to, he was kind of dumped to the wolves, I feel like, and had to learn life again. He had to find a purpose again. And although he's a firefighter now and he, he loves his job, it's just not the same. It's so different, you know? And when, when everything happened in Afghanistan, he, he, some of the things that he said got dumped straight into the book because I'm like, there's no better words that I can come up with than what's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> and so I, I, as far as knowing how to, to word it, I guess, I had to pull straight from things that he had said to me. And some of the things that he was saying was like, can people just stop giving their opinion on it if they've never been there, if they don't have family that was there, if they weren't the ones serving? And it, it was for me too, the first time that I had actually thought about it like that, because here I am, here spouses are, um, here are families saying, bring our troops home, bring our troops home. These people signed up for this and they want to be there. When people were, were pulled from Afghanistan and they come home, have, has anyone actually truly thought, what do they want? You know, and it, for for the first time in my life, I thought, wow, like, he wanted to be there. He loved going. He, there were two deployments when he voluntarily went. And these aren't just normal, hard, like, you know, easy deployments. These are the ones that he went on. He didn't shower for seven months for the, for the first one. He lost several friends throughout every deployment, and he wanted to go. And I thought that was something so important to put into the book that, that it's not just what you see on the news. It's not just what you hear on the radio. It's not just what you're reading in books. These are people who really, really needed to be there for their life's work, for, for their own purpose, you know? And so for a lot of, a lot of what we've been through this year really shows throughout the novel. And so I hope that, you know, my husband, it's funny because he says that he'll never read it because he just doesn't want his reflection of himself or what his idea of himself is to change. And I'm like, but what if what you read in the book and how I think about you changes for the better and he's like I just can't chance it I can't take I he just like he's like I don't want to read it so I don't know he might get there eventually I secretly think he's been reading it and he just <laughs> hasn't been telling me I think he's stuck <laughs> in the office one day and just hasn't told me <laughs> well, I certainly think your your message came through in the story and that was a really powerful moment for me when I read that line and it was like a like a light bulb moment for me almost like it, that makes um, total sense and it certainly is something that yes from the very get-go you you outline that 
it is a personal story. So for me reading that line, it was like, this must have come from um, either yourself or your husband's experiences because it certainly um, rang true. So yeah, you've definitely achieved your purpose of, of communicating it. (laughs) It's just so hard to talk about it now. Like every time I'm asked about it in an interview, I can't help but cry. And um, I tell, I tell people, you know, when I, when I was writing certain scenes, I had to take breaks because I couldn't Mm. see the screen because I was just sitting there crying because it was literally like a therapy session. (laughs) But I, I think that that's the beauty of it is that it's so raw and it's, it is emotional when people tell me that they cry during the book. I'm not just, I, I feel like they, they did connect with it in some way. And that's just what that's, that was my whole goal was for people to connect to the novel in some way or another in one relationship or another in the novel. So I'm glad that that is happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely something to be, to be proud of. And my other theme that I really liked that is threaded throughout the novel is the idea of dreams. And in particular, this one line. So again, I'm going to quote you (laughs) back to you. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Those dreams don't have to be put on hold any longer than I want them to be. They can sit on the shelf or they can fly off the shelf. They can lie stagnant. They can also accept risk and reap reward. So to what extent does this sentiment extend to your own life now? Gosh, it's, it's literally how I've been living my life the past few years. I mean, anything that I've truly wanted, I've, I've gotten as long as I worked hard for it, you know, and, it hurts me and it hurts my heart when people are like, I dream of having this, or I dream of writing a book one day. Um, and my, my immediate, my immediate thought and what I want to ask is why do you feel like you can't do it? And I understand that most of the time it's really timing and everything. Um, as far as if, you have, well, what I'm trying to say is I think a lot of the time people think that they don't have the time to write a book. I just had the busiest year of my life and I had a baby and I was working two full-time jobs and I was taking care of my husband through a really hard year. I still found the time to do it. I think if you want something bad enough, you'll make it happen. You'll find the time to do it. And if it's not happening, maybe it's just not the right time for you or Maybe you just don't want it bad enough. I mean, I wanted to write this book so badly. I was going to do anything and everything that I could to make it happen. And I did. And I don't know if that's determination. Um, it's, I'm super motivated person. You know, I really, I really wanted to, for people to read it. And um, I don't know. I just, I think, A lot of the times people also do feel financially strapped and feel like they can't do something because of their financial situation. And I urge those people to take a look at what you're doing now that makes you feel like you can't do something in the next five years is how I really have tried to look at things. And um, I, I, I've always said, and it's something that some of my friends are probably tired of me hearing me say, but I'm always like, you have choices. We all have choices. And so, I mean, I, I'm not ever one to sit and mope about my situation. If I don't like it, I'll change it. 
And so I think that's just an outlook that I've had on my life the past few years. I can't, I can't blame anyone else for my situation, but myself. And so who is going to hold me accountable for my situation, but myself. And so those are just things that I've taken away from my life recently, the last few years. If I didn't like something about how things were going, I sat down and I really tried to understand what was going on, what was happening, what I didn't like about the situation, what the hell I was going to do about fixing it. And I think, I think that pertains to a lot in my life, especially relationships that I've kept around or have kind of distanced myself from. Um, if I didn't like something about something, someone, a situation, I really tried to sit down and think for myself, is this part of my plan? Is this going to be part of my life in five years? I'm always trying to look ahead. And if something is not going right right now, you have to change it now. Otherwise, in five years, you're not going to have those things that you planned on, those things that you dreamed of. Um, and so I really tried the last, you know, several years to really try and take responsibility for things that go on in my life. And I think that has really, really benefited me, quite honestly. And especially during, like, I'm still going to say COVID times because it is still so very much so, but yes. There's so many people have been readdressing what they do, like what their jobs are, what they're studying, like a whole variety of things. And I think that's a really integral thing to do is to come back to your dreams and reassess what those dreams are and, and how you can go about achieving them. Yeah. So speaking of choices, you, you mentioned uh, that life is about choices and we, we do have some choices. One choice that people do make is to actually support smaller booksellers over some of the larger juggernauts such as Amazon. And yeah. this is the last time I will quote you to yourself during the interview, I promise. I really love it. Okay. <laughs> but I really liked this line and I was like, I really wish people would get this. And it says, being a small bookseller is hard these days with all the online shopping options. I knew it would be no easy feat and Amazon don't even get me started on Amazon. And I, at the moment, my latest grudge is people running book giveaways on bookstagram and the prize is an Amazon voucher. I yeah. won't enter them anymore. I'm done. Well, actually I don't think I entered them in the first place, but <laughs> it makes me cranky. <laughs> oh man. That is, that is a good point. Um, Amazon has its purpose. Let me begin with that because without, without Amazon, I wouldn't have been able to self-publish the book so easily as I did because Amazon has this self-publishing program for authors across the world and anyone can become an author if you work hard and you choose to do so. So I will say that. Now, as far as shopping on Amazon and purchasing books, especially from Amazon, coming from someone who doesn't even have a storefront. I cannot imagine, well, I can imagine because I've done the research and I've done the financial breakdown of it all. It is hard to be a storefront bookshop owner these days. If you can imagine having to sell $5,000 worth of books just to keep the, the roof and the door um, 
you know, contained. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of money that goes into having a bookshop, purchasing supplies, purchasing books, paying for someone to work there. I mean, insurance, electricity, all, all the, when people reach out to me and ask me about opening up a bookshop, the first thing I ask is, do you have thousands of dollars a month to, to expend? Because if you don't, then no, you can't own a bookshop. I'm just going to tell you right now. Um, even just working from home, I'm, I'm, it's a lot of money that goes out. And so when people shop small and when they get, choose to give their money to someone who has a family, a, a, like a four person family to support, it's, it means the world. It really does. I mean, it keeps a dream going. It's not a corporation. It's not a trillion dollar business. It's, it's someone's heart and soul that goes into this little dream every single day. I mean, there's not a day that I don't think about the bookshop. There's not a day that I don't work on the bookshop. Um, and so when people choose to shop small with me, particularly online, I mean, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to do what I love every single day. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it. Um, now, when I talk about Target and going into the Target book aisle, that's really hard, okay? I mean, I go to Target once or twice a month, and I cannot help but push my cart straight back to the book section. I mean, I just don't know what it is about the Target selection, but it's just this small curated little couple of aisles, and I want every single book on the shelf. I mean, it's ridiculous, so... I don't know. I mean, every, t every time I go into Target, I think about that line in my book and I'm like, I'm a fraud because <laughs> I love shopping in the Target book aisle. But I really do, every chance I get, I do try to, to shop small, even as a book owner, a bookshop owner. Um, I don't carry all books. I, I don't. Um, my bookshop is a little bit different. I, I do try to source mostly used books and signed books from authors that I've gained relationships from. And so my bookshop is a little bit different in that sense. And so when I go into a bookshop, I still feel, I don't feel like a bookshop owner. I just, I feel like a book lover and I, I do love shopping small. And I think maybe that's because in my heart, I know exactly what it feels like to ring up a, pa a patient. Here I am thinking about mental health. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> just can't get away from it. Um, <laughs> it follows me everywhere I go. Um, you know, when, when, when someone's ringing up a customer, I just know the joy that it brings. And so shopping small, especially during the holiday season, is just such a blessing because, you know, when you think about January and February and March and the, and the months to come where it's well, at least in the United States, it's cold and it's freezing and no one wants to go outside anymore. Shopping small during these next few months is really, really important because it, it's a building block. You know, it, it helps them out, it, you know, during the winter. Um, so, yeah. 
I think you've certainly appealed to the heart of the situation of why it's a good idea to shop local. So I highly recommend if you are listening to this, especially as we come into the Christmas season, no matter where you are in the world, I really do try and uh, support local, whether it be a bookstore or some other form of of, um, product that you are after. I love little gift shops during this time of year, especially. I mean, it's they're always changing. The the book, um, the little shop that my bookshop is in at the beach. It's called Inlet Blue Market, and it's just the cutest little gift shop, home interiors, and it's changing all the time. And I think that's such a gift in itself that you can go to this little store and it just be different every time you go in. And it's just such a joy to have little quaint shops like that in your area. So if you have them in your area, go and visit them and shop at them so that they can stay open. I mean, especially during COVID, I think we saw how fragile small businesses are, Mm -hmm. even larger corporations, you know, when you go for a a period of time without customers or, you know, especially these next coming months, January, February, March, keeping in mind the small, the small guys, because they need us. Yeah. We need them. Yes. <laughs> this is very true. It's the, the circle of life or the circle of consumerism. <laughs> so where can our listeners to the podcast grab a copy of Rules for Dating a Bookshop Owner? Um, you guys can go on my Instagram page, Porter Company Bookshop to purchase. Um, I personalize and sign the copies. So they're great little gifts. And then if you are um, overseas um, or in Canada, you know, this is where I do have to say you have to go to Amazon because number one, shipping these days is horrible because of COVID. And um, it's just easier access for for people overseas to get it. So um, my book, of course, is self-published. So it's really hard to find in in um, uh, a small indie bookshop unless I've been contacted by them or if I've made, I do have my, my book in a couple of small indie bookshops on this side of the, of the world in um, the United States, but mostly you can find it at my small bookshop, Porter Company Bookshop. <laughs> Excellent. And any little hints on what you are working on next? So I am very, very excited. Um, I, I did start working on the suite, on the sequel of the book. Um, I, I did already title it. It's called In for the Long Haul. And it's going to have some of the same characters in it. You know, it's going to continue the story of Campbell and Bishop. But it's also going to introduce um, new rules and new characters, new wisdom. Um, I'm really excited about it. I, I think, well, it did take about a year for me to write rules and now that I kind of know what I'm doing I think it should be a little bit easier going into this again Um, but I'm really excited I'm hoping by the end of next year probably around the same time um, that I released this one I'll I'll be able to say that I have written two books Excellent. Well, I hope, well, best of luck with your goal. Um, And thank you so much for joining me on the Bookstoring Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And again, a very big thank you to Stephanie and her team for a copy of her book and for taking the time to chat to me, an absolute novice at interviewing an author. And just when you thought the gifts had stopped coming your way, I have two more announcements for you. 
The first one is on the 27th of December, I will be doing a 2021 top reads episode solo, completely on my own. I have never done an episode like that before. And then season four of the Bookstory podcast will be launching on the 24th of January. I've already started recording bunch of episodes with a bunch of bookstagrammers and even one booktuber. I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year filled with lots and lots of books and lots of time to read. You have been listening to the Bookstorian podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstorian podcast. 